From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. A long-running property dispute between black ranchers in rural El Paso County and their white neighbors leads to allegations of stalking and racism. Yet the picture is anything but clear. Courtney and Nicole Mallory face felony stalking charges filed against them by neighbors, but the Mallorys say it's a ploy to get them to move off their ranch. CPR Justice reporter Lucretia Wimbley is investigating. Then, driving comes up a lot in the songs of Aram Ray. For her, being behind the wheel is a comfort. That's how I felt the most safe and in control at a time where I felt like I had no control over my life. The vast majority of CPR's funding comes from our community, and over half of that comes from individual contributions. That's why your gift at any amount matters. Start your all-important membership now at CPR.org. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. Two black ranchers in rural El Paso County claim they're the victims of racist neighbors and local law enforcement. Those neighbors and the El Paso County Sheriff's Office denounce the allegations, and the ranchers, Courtney and Nicole Mallory, have themselves been charged with felony stalking. CPR Justice reporter Lucretia Wimbley has been looking into this high-profile case. Hi, Lucretia. Hi, Ryan. There are quite a few details to navigate here. What do we know so far about the Mallorys, their calls for justice, and uh, these charges against them? Well, you're right. There is a lot to unpack here, and it's hard to say whose allegations are valid or not. But what we can do is look at court records at this point. So there have been nearly two dozen complaints and restraining order requests filed over the last two years between Courtney and Nicole Mallory and their neighbors, Teresa and Bonnie Clark. And the Clarks and Mallory's also filed complaints against each other's friends, too, over the last two years. Mm. But both Mallory's were arrested last week on felony stalking charges that were filed against them by the El Paso County Sheriff's Office in December. Their neighbors accused them of stalking and intimidation, illegally tampering with a power pole and stealing a $25 trash. Can. Now, the criminal affidavit says that the Clarks showed police video footage of the Mallorys on their property line holding their hands in the air saying, hands up, don't shoot. The Mallorys are also accused of parking their truck on the Clark's gate, uh, near the Clark's gate. Uh, Teresa Clark did send us a statement late last week, and she said that she and her older mother are afraid for their lives. You have reviewed numerous complaints and restraining order requests filed by both parties over the last two years. What do the records tell us? Okay, well, the court records show that for two years, Courtney and Nicole Mallory have complained that their neighbors, the Clarks, and others have trespassed on their property, pointed guns at them, called them racial slurs, released dogs on them, damaged their ranch gate and security cameras, um, harmed their animals, and would incite violence on them uh, against them on social media. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> we also learned that the Mallorys were the first to file a, a complaint uh, against their neighbors, the Clarks, beginning in December 2021. But the Clarks uh, said uh, they said that the 
the Clarks blocked their driveway and threatened them with guns. And then the Clarks first filed their complaints against the Mallory's the following month in January 2022, claiming that the Mallory's would stalk them, cross their easement, and intimidate them by sitting on their fence and watch them until they went inside, and that they also called the police on them. Now, in the criminal affidavit against the Mallory's, El Paso County Sheriff Deputy Sergeant Emery Gearhart said he had been in contact with the Clarks since March 2022 about their complaints against the Mallory's. But so far, most of the Mallory's complaints have been dismissed. Does anything stand out to you from the criminal affidavit or the numerous complaints and restraining order requests? Yes. Uh, what, what stands out from looking at the records we've gotten so far is the fact that Sergeant Gearhart has basically taken lead on investigating this case. But the Mallory's have also filed four internal affairs police complaints against him, accusing him of conspiring with neighbors to get them off of their ranch. So it, it seems odd that the sheriff's department didn't assign someone else to the to this case. But right now we haven't received any clarity on this from the, the sheriff's office. Now, Sergeant Gearhart even noted in the criminal affidavit against the Mallory's that he was the recipient of uh, of these complaints. And he said the Mallory's filed more than 15 complaints against sheriff deputies within the last two years. But all of those have been dismissed at this point. The Rocky Mountain NAACP has said it's investigating the Mallory's claims. Um, have you heard from the Mallory's themselves, Lucretia? Well, we've made several attempts to speak with the Mallory's directly since Courtney Mallory was arrested, but so far I have not spoken with them yet. I have been keeping in contact with those who are closely assisting them right now for updates, and that includes folks from the NAACP and the MLK Commission. Now, according to them, the Mallory's believe they were targeted by neighbors and others in the area a few years ago after purchasing their ranch, which was abandoned before they moved in. I'm told the Mallory strongly believe that the reason they have suffered threats and harassment by their white counterparts is because they are black. Now, court records show that the Mallory's have been granted have been granted uh, temporary protection orders on a couple occasions against their neighbors in the last two years. But their calls for help have mostly been dismissed in the courts so far. Their neighbors, Teresa and Bonnie Clark, currently have restraining orders against them that are in effect. What is next then in your reporting? Right now, we have an open records request pending with the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, and we're waiting for that to be fulfilled. The Sheriff's Office said it will release the documents for more than 170 calls for service and 911 calls and 19 complaints from the Mallory's and their neighbors in the last couple years. And this should also include police body cam footage. And we'll have more to share about this situation when we get these records. Lucretia, thanks for the insight. Thanks for having me. CPR Justice reporter Lucretia Wimbley. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. Missing mail, inconsistent deliveries, hours-long waits at the post office. For many in rural Colorado, getting mail is proving problematic. It shouldn't be a frustrating process. You should be able to go get your mail and not have to plan hours out every day to do so. I'm CPR's Caitlin Kim. Colorado's members of Congress are getting an earful about these issues, and they're pushing the Postal Service to fix its problems. For the story, come to CPR.org. I can't land on quite the right adjective to describe singer-songwriter Aram Ray's voice. Smoky, maybe? Raw? Vulnerable? Maybe best to let you come up with your own. This is Country Road, the first single from her new album, Loose Ends. 
Aram Ray grew up in Colorado Springs and collaborated on this record with a name that Coloradans will recognize, Wesley Schultz of the Lumineers. And Aram, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Is there an adjective you use or you have heard people use to describe your voice that you like best? I've come to the point where I just started saying singer-songwriter. What kind of music do you do? I'm just a singer-songwriter. I get compared to anyone from Nora Jones to Nina Simone. Um, I I need to land on somebody's name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because I was thinking adjectives more than comparing you to other artists. You know, I'm kind of, I'm often loath to do that. But how does it feel when you are compared to, say, a Nora Jones or, uh, you know, a Nina Simone? I think the Nina comes from just the idea of, like, expressiveness. I mean, it feels fine. It feels good because everybody has to compare for a way of understanding, you Mm -hmm. know? So that's just a method of doing it. The first single, Country Road, um, did you have a particular road or maybe part of the country you pictured as you wrote this? Yes, I did. Uh, Central Virginia is a very stunningly beautiful place, green rolling hills and foggy mornings and sunsets that are magical. And uh, it's just a place that I like to get lost in. This is a place where I think your mother lives. Is that right? Yeah, she has a cow farm and like a general store. It's called Natural Bridge General Store, actually. Oh, and this is an area where there's just a lot of driving, a lot of country road. Well, basically... To get to the grocery store, it's at least 30 minutes. To get gas, it's about 15. So yeah, you you have to drive out far to get anything. I, I just love the image of water towers in this song and mm-hmm. the rhyme, the golden hours, water towers, wild flowers. Mm-hmm. The golden hour, water towers, wild in New York City now. I wonder if that rural experience still feels possible for you in a completely metropolitan environment now. Well, I actually live in Green Bay, Wisconsin now. Oh no, I'm learning that here today. But it's something that we could talk about because from living in New York City, I don't think even six weeks would go by to where I would either take the train down from Central Station to uh, Virginia, to Charlottesville, or I had a car, so I would also drive because it was the only way that I could keep balance living in New York. I had such a dream of living in New York City, the fashion, the walking, the food, architecture, but I didn't realize that I am a country girl at heart and I was way out of place. (laughs) Come find me, 
As an artist, what was something you learned from Wesley Schultz of the Lumineers, uh, who helped produce this record? Gosh, the songs I sent him were songs that I had in my back pocket that I needed assurance on because I thought they were um, to this or to that. And they happened to be my best songs. And so he really taught me to not edit myself to get out of my own way. Huh. It sounds like you're really self-critical, maybe. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's If there's been a lesson, like, this whole year, it's been, like, to get over myself. <laughs> so, to some extent, do you think that he helped give you some confidence? Majorly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, working with someone like that is validating on its own. I've never had such a collaboration and being a solo artist can be very lonely, but you can also lose your perspective like so easily. And so just having a partner and collaborator, it took so much pressure off and I just felt lighter and I could come up and feel energized to present and be creative again. Hmm. Um, without the need to manufacture a song, which I don't do that for my records, but I do try to have the work ethic of getting up and writing. You know, you lose what you don't work on. So it's a muscle that I try to keep in shape. But it sounds like you needed the affirmation to create the space for the creativity to flow. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I totally get that. How did the relationship with Wesley Schultz of the Lumineers begin? Uh, We were introduced from my boyfriend. He is a chef, and he cooked at Wes and Brandy's wedding. And he also hosted the Lumineers when they were touring out of a van and had no money. And he fed them oysters and champagne and, knowing him, probably caviar and tons of food at 2 a.m., and they couldn't afford it. And he said, no worries, just come back next year. So they grew a relationship in the way that they kind of gave back to Chris for him hosting them when they were just starting out as they had him cook at their rehearsal dinner for their wedding. Fast forward to the night the Lumineers were playing in Milwaukee. I met Wes and his wife backstage and Brandy was suggesting to Wes that we should work on music. Of course, I was willing to do it, but you can have a lot of, like, in-the-moment talk, quote-unquote, but Mm. the follow-through is minimal. And that night also was the same night that they shut down their tour for COVID. So everyone split their ways, went home. A couple days later, I, I sent Wes a text voice memo of a song. He liked it, and then... He sent an idea back in a voice memo. And I was like, ah, that's really good. (laughs) And then it just kept happening. I think it gave him and I both purpose during that time, you know. Do you credit the pandemic then with creating the space for the collaboration to occur? I mean, it occurs to me that 
it might have turned out differently if he had remained on the unrelenting tour schedule and your own. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately, I, it would not have happened without the space of COVID created. Wow. That's a mixed bag, isn't it? Isn't it confusing? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm grateful that the collaboration happened because it produced this album. Thank you. Why don't we hear the song Headboard? The title comes from the image of headboards in storage units, the, like a wonderfully mundane thing to write about. <laughs> do, do you want to set it up just a bit before we hear the track? This is both a story of myself and I think of maybe other lost wanderers who look up one day and just are okay with the idea of wandering. I was desperate, I kept on driving. I was met with thoughts of suicide. But I knew that wasn't my track. Being lost by now is something I'm used to. Been an outcast everywhere that I've been. I don't feel bad so long as I'm not sinning. Losing you is like a loss of a limb. I'll get on. Forever I'll be limping through. I was always waiting for the sun to come shining. You were always waiting for the phone to ring. About our feelings dying But we were never gonna be alone again Were you hard on yourself uh, when you were a wanderer before? Mm. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. And the idea of, like, the life of being a songwriter, in my opinion is gratifying in ways and um, very destabilizing in others. Mm. And living that life in your 20s is one thing, but when you grow and you learn more about yourself and about life and you desire maybe a different level of sophistication to buy a home or, you know, adult have health insurance, you can easily feel like an outcast because those things are hard to come by. And so... I feel so capable and intelligent, but then when you're trying to make it in this world, it's you feel undermined and like an outcast. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there's a little bit of a keeping up with the Joneses quality, too. Inherently, I think we compare ourselves to others. And so you, you would start to compare yourself to people of your similar age bracket and go, why am I not here? Is now, that... I, I think the Joneses happen because in your natural capacity in life is to nest, especially as a woman. And so you're going to want to, quote unquote, settle down, which I don't understand why that's a bad term. I think it's beautiful because you grow spiritually. And for me, it, it was just more about being able to create that safe space for yourself. Because I highly disagree with a chaotic life bringing better art, I think peace and health bring better art. And so that's where I was coming from with having that. But it sounds like you are perhaps surrendered now to the idea that you you may not have those trimmings. No, I'm going to get them. You're going to get them. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
But it's also okay to be a wanderer until then. Is that the idea? Yeah. Well, and also just not judge yourself too harshly, but to also keep in mind to apply your hands to what you feel like your soul needs. Does your soul need music? Apparently so. (laughs) (laughs) All the trophies, all the cardboard, all the storage units holding headboards. Every time I close the blinds in the afternoon, it reminds me you. A number of the songs on this album invoke driving. Uh, We talked about that with Country Road. And the title track, Loose Ends, which we'll hear in a bit, mentions the gas running out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you think driving keeps coming up for you? Well, it's been my solace over the years. From touring alone and finding my place, I was um, drawn to the country in Virginia. I was trying to make it as a songwriter in Austin, Texas wanting to have a big ambitious side and I wanted to succeed and then move to New York City and um, at one time I was in Los Angeles and I was auditioning auditioning I did a record for Warner Brothers and we were supposed to sign a deal with them mm. and I found out at the end of a tour I had while I was in Austin Texas that they changed their mind and they didn't want to do it and I uh, laid in bed at my friend's house and cried for a couple days and then drove back to Virginia and I was by myself and um, that's how I felt the most safe and in control at a time where I felt like I had no control over my life. So it's always been kind of a solace for me. And Yeah, so you don't, do you get sick of driving? Are there times, <laughs> are there times you don't like it? If I'm in an ugly area, it really irritates me. <laughs> like the industrial part of you know, Jersey into Manhattan or stuff like that. I'm just like, ugh, the development is awful. Well, uh, here's Loose Ends. Just pulled up in the Baker Street town We're gonna start a new life We kept on driving till the gas ran out And left it at the stoplight I recall from our last interview that you grew up in a a spiritual and maybe even religious home. 
So the reference to the televangelist on the television stood out. Um, would you tell us about writing that lyric? That's uh, Wes. Wes's brilliance with the, is it alliteration? Yeah. sense to me is like uh, the idea of starting over there are actually no loose ends if you you keep on driving till the gas ran out and we left it at the stoplight that means like okay but we're still gonna keep going so we're just gonna get out and keep walking and we start over how we feel we should and on the televangelists on the television is saying you have these people who preach to you what how you should live your life and you you live your life according to how you feel is the right way. And so we're talking about to not give in to these outside things. The notion that there are no loose ends is uh, is powerful to me. <laughs> me too. I guess it's the idea that the journey continues. It's not this like finite stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Yeah. I think forgiveness is also a theme in that song, loose ends. Are you mm-hmm. someone are you someone who's quick to forgive? You know, um, I try to be, like, I try not to hang on to small things, but I don't forget. I'm noticing <laughs> that I I don't, and I, I want to, you know, because I, I, you don't want to walk around carrying unnecessary things. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Singer-songwriter Aram Ray. We spoke in September ahead of her new album's release this month. It's called Loose Ends. I'm Ryan Warner, and this is listener-supported CPR News and KRCC.